Living Heritage Goes to Market. This episode is part of a series showcasing the people and stories of the St. John's Farmer's Market, from farmers to craft and food vendors, and more. Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Natalie Dignam. This episode is part of a series in the St. John's Farmer's Market. Today I'm in the studio with Steve Curtis, owner of Condiments by Steve Curtis. Steve launched his condiments business in 2012 at the St. John's Farmer's Market. He had decided to take a break from the restaurant industry and began making chutneys, jams, and mustards at home as gifts for friends and family. Now, Steve drives a metro bus and spends his days cooking up condiments for his booth at the market. Welcome to the show, Steve. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, you started this uh, condiments business back in... I started doing this a few years ago. I was in the restaurant business for a long time. And then uh, we have young children now. So then, after our youngest was born, I uh, sold the restaurant, got out of the business for a couple of years... And then slowly just started doing stuff at the farm market and doing uh, mustards and preserves. And now it's expanded now into sauces and pickles and lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And you started at the, <clears throat> the old farmer's market. Yes. Well, the farmer's market actually used to used to be uh, in, in different locations even before the last one, which was at the Lion Chalet on Bonaventure. And before that, it was for a while at the Masonic Temple on Cathedral Street which was oh. right next door to my restaurant. My restaurant was the Casbah, and that was also on Cathedral Street. So we were next-door neighbors. And then I started there, I guess, about four years ago at the uh, location on Bonaventure. And then uh, now we've just moved into the new digs on, uh, at the old Metrobus terminal on which Freshwater awesome Road. and huge. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a large, it's a large thing. And right now, uh, the one thing we miss is the, the large green space next to the building, yeah. but it's definitely, uh, you know, it's going to be a real bonus, especially in the fall, winter, and spring months, where you have all that indoor space. It's not going to be near so cramped, and there's lots of parking, and yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, re- you're going to really see the market uh, come together, I think, in the fall, because right now it's just, everyone's learning their way around, and it's only been open for, well, it, it, this is the 13th of uh, August. It opened on the 21st of July. Yeah, so it hasn't been very long. Yeah, it was three quarters of a month, so it's uh, still in its infancy. But I think the trajectory is correct that is going on. It's really moving in a nice direction. And uh, I think by next year this time, it'll be a whole new thing again. Yeah, and I know they're still kind of figuring out parking and uh, getting used to the neighborhood because I went down there and it was crazy packed. Yeah, and when, and speaking to the neighborhood, it's a really great addition to that neighborhood because I think that well that neighborhood, you know, in the past decade and more, uh, I don't think has been well served. The schools have closed. Mm-hmm. Uh there's not been a lot of activity in that area. Uh but now you do with with the farmers market and there's also a bit of uh you see a bit of a resurgence of activity in, in around uh Ropewalk Lane and that area. Yep. So that area now is starting to come back together again, and, and it, which only makes sense. It's the center of the city, mm-hmm. and how that was uh, filled you know, between the cracks, so to speak, is baffling. But uh, yeah, And maybe they'll reopen a new school or <laughs> something, because there's an awful lot of kids in that area. Yeah, or do something with Booth just up the road, like another, uh, another community-minded you know, uh, structure. 
Yeah. So I was hoping to, you've uh, owned, run restaurants and bars in both the states and here in Newfoundland. Could you talk a little bit about your background? Well, I started, well, I used to actually, I used to actually do a show here at CHMR back <laughs> when I was in university. And that was 30 years ago. And, you know, everybody with a little part-time job, uh, mine was working in restaurants. And I started, so I've been working in restaurants literally now for 30 years and, uh, or involved in the food business, I should say for over 30 years, and I started off as busboy, and you work your way up to, you know, serving, and then managing, and then owning, and I've owned uh, bars and restaurants of my own since the 90s, and I worked here, then I went to the, I lived in Louisiana, besides here, uh, for a number of years, and I was running bars and restaurants down in the French Quarter in Louisiana, and then moved back when a opportunity came up in St. John's in 97, I moved back, mm-hmm. and I've been here since. So has your time in Louisiana, has that influenced any of the the sauces and chutneys and stuff that you're making now? Well, it's sort of. I mean, you, you're going to get influences no matter, you know, if, if you've been involved in the, in the restaurant business or in the food business for that long a time, you're going to draw your references from wherever you've been. And, yeah. Yeah, so I would say yes, but it's not, a, I don't do Cajun or Creole mm-hmm. sauces, but of course you're, you're you know, you mean you're, you're, when you, when you think, but sometimes I, I go into the uh, think of the spices they use there sometimes, or the uh, the uh, the combinations, and sometimes I will draw from that. Yes. And you use um, a lot of interesting local <clears throat> ingredients, and and you're also selling your uh, sauces at the Newfoundland Distillery Co. Well, the Newfoundland Distillery, um, I use some of their things in making some of my things, like I make a partridge berry jam. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I use my, I make a partridge berry jam, and I use their seaweed gin in that. And now I'm making today. I'm going to make a strawberry jam using their rhubarb vodka. So it's a it's a very complimentary business, and yeah. they'll use uh, they have a tasting room, and and they use you know bring out charcuterie and and stuff when people are tasting their products, and they'll put some of my chutneys or um, preserves with their charcuterie plates and cheese plates. Oh, I didn't even. I've I've been there in out in Bay Roberts and yeah. had that, and I didn't realize it was yours. But yeah, very good. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, are there any other interesting local ingredients that you like to try to incorporate, or or do you experiment with different things? Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, you try to get whatever's freshest. And now, I mean, the fall is the real time for vegetables at the farmer's market. I mean, I don't do a lot of stuff with more greens and that sort of thing for my purposes. Herbs, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the fall, um, I'll get, uh, like, say, from Mount Sio or Nagel's Hill Farm, I will, I snatch up as much of their fennel as I possibly can. And I I pickle their fennel. I use beets from Murray's. I get stuff from Lester's, of course, all the time. Um, So you try to get as many, you try to source as many local vegetables and herbs as possible and uh, and the fall is the real time for that that's when you'll start, start seeing like a real uh, I, I find that the most exciting time at the farmer's market September mm-hmm. and October yeah I think a lot a lot of people feel that way because that's when you come and there's really all the fresh produce there yes exactly yeah. and 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 you're I find there's I'm hoping that there's going to be even more farmers showing up there I mean a lot of farmers um, who make very you know particular things you don't even see it at the farmer's market because uh, restaurants will buy it all up before it even hits the shelf. Stuff like Jerusalem artichokes and these sort of things, which I never even knew could grow in Newfoundland when I was mm-hmm. growing up. Now they, uh, there's, there's, it's amazing the, the variety of things that are growing here now and that people are planting. And 
So do you have any other uh, local partnerships where people can um, find your condiments? I put a couple things in a store um, on Gower Street, Gower and Colonial. It's called Food for Thought. And I'll put a few things in there. Um, but I really, I mean, I don't, uh, I mean, I have a full-time job besides. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, I don't really have the, the time to to uh, stock up yep. with, you know, other, you know, other than like the Newfoundland Distillery or a couple smaller places. Like I wouldn't be able to, uh, I've had supermarkets approach me, but I couldn't, I could never supply supermarkets unless I hired <laughs> staff and changed yeah. my whole, which kind of like, you know, then it's not really a home business anymore. So it's sort of defeats the purpose there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a very small scale and that's, and that's probably why it's good, you know, why it's, why it's so good, I should say, uh, because it is very hands-on and homemade and small batch. And it's not a it's not an industrial scale that I'm working on. And you're only at the market one day a week. You're just there on Saturday. Yes, just Saturday because on Wednesdays I have to uh, drive the route too. Yeah, so we <laughs> should we should talk about that. What is your full time job when you're not? My my day job is I, I drive Metrobus. That is my uh, that is my actual job. And then when I'm not transporting people around town, I'm telling them to go to the farmers market. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so I also read that you listen to a lot of podcasts uh, while you're driving. So I do. yes, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, part of when you're driving forty hours a week. You tend to listen to a lot of uh, a lot of podcasts. I should probably plug the Living Heritage podcast. You should listen to Living Heritage. Yes, you know what? And uh, yes, and, and as much as much uh, local programming as possible. And it's great to hear that. It's great to to be a part of uh, a local podcast, especially dealing with you know local local activities and. Right, I'd like to see more of a podcast with like local music scene as well, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's that's fantastic. So, what are your favorite podcasts that you're listening to right now as you're driving, uh, and favorite food podcasts? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the I, I tend to listen to a lot of current affairs programs and just keep up with the news, and because uh, I don't get to watch it at home, we have little kids, so I, I get to watch. Uh, Peppa Pig, <laughs> that's that's oh, yeah. my or uh, Ben and Holly's Magic Kingdom. That's my uh, that's our household You're at television home program. <laughs> yeah, so I go to work. I listen to the current affairs programs mostly, a few music programs and the food programs. I like the uh, I listen to the food programs you you get on like BBC. There's a couple of really good programs. Mm. Uh, the, there's one actually called the Food Program on BBC, which is excellent. Uh, Splendid Table is a nice one. Uh, Gastropod. There's there's lots of podcasts. Yeah, food podcasts. Yeah. Once you uh, get into, I read like some food blogs, and they really like suck you. <laughs> yeah, we it's like going down the rabbit hole. Oh there's yeah, a, yeah. There's a lot of. So where do you uh, find kind of I guess your inspiration when you're coming up with these <clears throat> sauces? Uh, just looking at ingredients that you have around, or something that catches your eye, or are you reading food? Well, blogs? you yeah, you, you, know, you read a lot of uh, you read a lot of uh, food, either food blogs or sometimes I get uh, I subscribe to a few people on on Twitter and this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a few good ideas, or you see something like, oh, you know, this curry sounds interesting. How can I do that on a on a larger scale and you know, like and make it you know uh, sell it at the farmers market? Uh, so you try. There's a lot of experimentation, right? There's a lot of now. Right, I'm at the point now after doing it for about five years. You know, it's it's much easier now than it was first starting off. First starting off, it's a real, it's a real trial and error process. But now mm-hmm. I've got a pretty good idea of what's going to work before I begin doing it. Yeah. Have you ever made something that you thought was going to be a great pairing, and it came out, and you were just like, "This is not great." <laughs> Yo, <laughs> Didn't yeah. work out. <laughs> oh yeah, I made a I made an apricot chutney one time, which sounded fantastic, 
with saffron, one of my favorite spices, and it was just atrocious. <laughs> it was atrocious. Never, it, no, no one ever tasted it but me. And it was like, it was, I put all my favorite things into this one chutney. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> but yeah. usually, I mean, but you know, but you try stuff all the time that doesn't work. But you, you, but you don't, you don't bring it to the farm market, right? You're not gonna. Everything's not gonna be perfect every time. And you're making all of these in your <clears throat> kitchen at home. Yes. Yeah. So that's a that's a project in there. Yeah. Well, you get pretty good at it. I mean, you know. And right now, the farmers market actually have a uh, kitchen. Yes, I was yeah. going to ask you, are you uh, planning on taking advantage of that yes, beautiful of commercial kitchen yeah. at the new farmer's market? Yes, I am going to plan take, a, play, take advantage of it. The, uh, it's great to do stuff out of the house, but now the farmer's market has grown. So as opposed to what I was cooking before, I've got, I've, I feel like I'm putting out a, a double album every week now. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a, the production has to be ramped up. So I think I have to uh, either rent a kitchen outside of the house to keep to keep everybody... Right. Yeah. Sane in the because we end up eating out now <laughs> more than we ever did because I have the kitchen taken up with you know. Have you noticed a very dramatic increase since moving to the new space of like how much product you're <clears throat> making? Yeah. Well. Yes. Uh, no. I've also been making more as well, so that could be part of it as well. But but I find just the amount of people going through yeah. is uh, well. They the we were at a board meeting with the farmers market about. Uh, I guess last year, and we just looked at the chart you'd have for the each month in market, and you have peaks around Christmas and Thanksgiving, but the the summer, of course, is the busiest time, and they would the numbers for like the busiest week in the summer was around thirty eight hundred, thirty five, thirty eight hundred, and you probably average between twenty eight and thirty two hundred people, uh, and that's a lot of people going mm-hmm. through the farmers market. The first weekend they opened up at the news location, they had between ten and twelve thousand. So it's a dramatic increase. Uh, the first the first week was the busiest, of course. Uh, the second and third weeks, we just had our fourth week, and that was more relaxed. It was a lot of people, but it was it was you know breathing room. It was you know we weren't packed in, yeah. And I think you're going to find a nice level there because the, the hours are a bit little bit longer mm-hmm. than the other market. It doesn't close close at two. It closes right now at four. Uh, for now, it might that might change for a half hour here or there. Um, but right now, tentatively, the, the closing time is four, so people can show up a little bit later in the day, and it's not like a mad rush at one time. Yeah, uh, that would be nice. Yeah, but there's a lot of people there. There's, more, there's more vendors, right? There's more vendors, there's, uh, and, uh, and there's new people there every week because, like, I can't make it on Wednesdays, which is the other day of the market, so I just do Saturday. So my table that I would have had, which I could have there on Wednesday, is open for someone else. Yeah, and that's really cool, and I think something that people uh, might not realize is that when they go Wednesday and Saturday, they might actually get different vendors there at the market. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be different people. I mean, a lot of people have day jobs, like myself, and can only do one day a week. And uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for other people to come in. And then and it's also a bigger space. So this, and, and when you look at, like, even in the other market, and I say the other market, but I mean the, the older location, um, in the summer, it would be jam-packed with vendors. In the fall, there would be sometimes empty tables, right? Because in the fall, when it's slower, a lot of people don't, you know, they, they, they only want to be there when it's really busy. Mm-hmm. So in the fall, there might be even more space opening up for uh, for people to check out their products and a lot more opportunity. And we also spoke with Anne, who's the executive director at the Farmer's Market, 
uh, for the podcast, and she was saying she was really excited about having a lot of new faces at the front, maybe people who haven't been to the market before, which is pretty cool. So I'm sure it's a lot of new people in in this new neighborhood. There, there's a lot of new people every week. And I even noticed before the move, we were getting a lot of people that you've never, I'd never seen before. And that would, and that was just, you know, an example of it growing. The market was growing every week. And so you'd have, we used to have like, you'd see the same faces every week, week in, week out. And then gradually you'd start seeing a lot of new people. And every week there's, and now, I mean, I can look around and it's like, where are all these people coming from? (laughs) Yeah, right. So it's it's really cool that it it has encouraged people to get out there and uh, check it out. Uh, so what is your most popular sauce? Because now we know your your worst. <laughs> so now yeah, we need no, to know no. the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say it's my worst. I only made it one time, and I'm never going to, you know. But uh, the most popular ones are, I mean, I make different things. I make sauces, and I make chutneys. I make a lot of things to go with your meal to accentuate your food. Mm-hmm. And I make sauces to go on it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not cooking your meal for you, but I'm giving you... Things to make your food either taste better or the sauces to go with your food. Uh, I find the the sauces sell the best. I find the curry sauces and the pad thai sauces. It it uh, I make butter chicken sauce. That's probably the the biggest seller because mm-hmm. you know people have a uh, people are absolutely mad for butter chicken around here. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, I just make it easy. Just you just have to cook your chicken and add the sauce. It's you know. Yeah, and I have to say, admit that um, I go buy sauce every week. Like, everyone should. But yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the best things about it is, like you said, you have sauces that can really be used in so many different ways. Uh, and you can just, like, every time I get it, I use it in a different way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and every week, uh, somebody will tell me a new way they use, they've used a certain sauce, and whether it's, a, or, a, or a, like, a mustards or different things that I make. And... Uh, give me different recipes like for my uh, tomato chili jam there is always new ideas coming in for that and it's great for me to be able to tell people how to use things too i mean if they're just wondering they can you know because people are looking for ideas to go home and you know and cook right i guess uh, could you share some of your favorite ideas like pairings well the uh, like the tomato chili jam i make that goes really nicely with like i make i make a lot of stuff that goes with like charcuterie mm-hmm. cheese and charcuterie and the tomato chili also works well with, uh, like, fish cakes. It goes great with, you can brush it over salmon and put it under the broiler. There's so many ideas. Yeah, you'd have to come down to the farm market and talk to me about I that. I know, yeah. There's not enough, not enough time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and when I've gone down, you have you can taste <clears throat> all of them because you have them all out, which is awesome. Yes, I, I, want, I want to have, uh, even when someone just comes up and says, oh, we'll take that. I always encourage them to try it first to make sure it's exactly what you want. Um, I don't want, you know, I'd, the best thing about about going there with the farmer's market, uh, when you see all these sauces and products out for a lot of people, you can try it before you buy it, and it, it uh, you're not going to come home and be disappointed. Mm-hmm. You're getting exactly what you want. You're going you're gonna to have an idea in mind before you leave the market. You're going to see the vegetables outside. You're going to make with the sauce you just got from me, and, and, it, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and so besides the sausage, you also said you make chutney and jams? I make chutneys. I make jams, mustards. Uh, I do a few Asian sauces. I just made a, a hoisin sauce last week, Ooh. Yeah, which was really lovely. 
there's new stuff every week. I try, you know, not not every week, but I try to get at least one new thing in every week, and you know, because you get sick of making the same stuff mm-hmm. every week, right? And I've had chutney before, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Like, what is it? Like, what's it made out of? Well, chutney is more savory than jam, uh, but uh, where jam is basically fruit and sugar, mm-hmm. uh, with other things, of course, if you want to add to it. But it's, it's basically sugar and fruit. Chutney is a mixture of sugar and vinegar with either food, uh, fruit and vegetable. It's more savory. You can use it for, it's a lot more versatile. It's not just for toast. Mm-hmm. It can be used for, uh, to serve with, you know, as an accompaniment to, to roast meats. It can go on just about anything. You can put it on a sandwich. Yeah, the chutneys are a lot more versatile. Serve with curries. Yeah, and they work nice with cheese plates. I'll make a mango curry, a mango chutney, sorry, which goes really nicely with uh, goat cheese on wraps. Ooh, so it's something that I guess you could just like put on top of something and not necessarily cook with it. Yeah, you can cook with it, but it's mo- more to serve on the side uh, or to serve on something or on the side of something. Um, and one of the things I really like about your sauces is that I'm lactose intolerant, so it's really nice to have. Like, a lot of them are made with coconut oil. <clears throat> There's only one thing I make that I believe uh, would have dairy, and that would be the butter chicken. Yep, so that's the one I not, avoid. But I yeah, love that it. It wouldn't be butter chicken it. without butter. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's true. I always struggle with that one. I'm like, I just, I'll just give up. It's not the same. Like, sometimes you just can't copy things. Yeah. Them. Now, I do make a butter chicken uh, a vegan version. Oh, you do? Or vegetarian version. It's not vegan because it has honey. But I do mm-hmm. make a vegetarian version. Um, I, I poach uh, cashews in olive oil. And I'll use that, and, and I'll puree that and use that instead of butter. So, so I'll a, make that by special request. Is a large amount of your stuff uh, vegan? Uh, a lot of it is vegan. A lot of it is vegan. The only thing is sometimes I'd use, put, like, I make a couple mustards, and there's a couple of, like, pad thai. I make pad thai, and that has fish sauce. Yeah. And that's unavoidable. You can do it without it, but it is not going to be pad thai. Mm-hmm. Right, and I put some anchovy in a red wine mustard. But for the most part, most just about everything I make is vegan. Yeah, which is awesome to have like a very, I think for me when I switched over to not eating dairy to have like a rich sauce on something. Yeah, it was yeah. like hard for me to figure out how to make that. So yeah. now that said, I mean a lot of things I make, I make for meats in mind. Oh but, yeah, but the sauce itself is not is vegan. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I don't put cream. In any of the sauces, and that's that's you know for shelf life as well. Yep. You know, I want it to be able to when I bottle it. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, cream. So, how long do your sauces last? <clears throat> Usually, a few months after they're bottled, uh, and once they're open, keep them in the fridge for a couple of weeks. The chutneys and jams last like jam. You know, they'll last a year in the fridge. You know, mm-hmm. like like any jam. Yeah. Do you forage for uh, any of your ingredients, or or do you just look locally? Kind of like you're using the distillery. Well, um, no, no, but my mother is a tremendous berry picker, <laughs> so I get so she's a supplier. <laughs> I get some, I get some, uh, some uh, blueberries and partridge berries from her. Now there are guys who forage uh, and bring their stuff to the farm market, and uh, Dawson is one. I think he would be another person you might want to get on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he does, and he does, he does a lot of foraging for restaurants, and uh, so there there is that available at the farmers market as well. And I try to get those things. Right, but it's uh, but for myself, no. I, I I either buy it from someone who's gone out, or buy it off other farmers. So I won't uh, let you give away any berry picking spots. Yeah, I don't know secret. any. 
I don't yeah. know. My, now, my mother goes, I, I can, well, I don't think it's any secret to go up around. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of people are very protective. <laughs> yeah, well, when you go up around Harbor, Maine and Colliers and that area for blueberries, you know, it's great. But uh, my mother, when she goes picking partridge berries and bake apples, goes up to, uh, up around uh, Greens Pond area. Okay. Yeah, which is where she's from, Badger's Key. So yeah. it is almost blueberry season, so are you thinking of what you're going to do with all these berries now? Oh, yes. Oh, of course, yeah. I've got several ideas. I'm just waiting to get my hands on the berries. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a few lately. I've been doing uh, a blueberry with lavender, and I did another one with the blueberry and thyme. I find the uh, the fresh herbs and more of the floral elements of the lavender works really lovely. And that's a really interesting combination of, I think, people think often, like, berries, sweet, and not, like, thyme, which is kind of like a savory... Yeah, well, thyme, thyme and the blueberries, it it, uh, it gives that really wild flavor. It's beautiful. It tastes like, it tastes just like you're, you're out picking them. You know, you, has, you get that real taste of the wild from it, with wild thyme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lovely flavor. So is that going to be kind of like a, a jam? Yeah, 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 that'll be a jam. Yeah. So you'll be there this Saturday. Do you have anything new that you're doing this week that people can keep an eye out for? Oh, I'd have to look at my list of stuff there. I'll, I'll just look it up really quick and I'll tell you now what I'm going to be. <laughs> well, this week I'm making a, uh, I'm doing some gotcha jang. I'm doing a couple couple chutneys. And like I said, I'm doing that strawberry jam this week with the rhubarb vodka. That'll be a new one. So that's not well. The the alcohol of it actually like burns off when you make it. Well, no, not necessarily. It depends, right? Like the uh, when I make the jam, you you you, ha- you have your thermometer, so I wait till it gets to the setting point at two hundred and twenty degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. and then I wait till it goes down to around one ninety before I add the vodka. Um, it'll burn off a little bit, but it's not going to be. Totally, it's not going to be. A, you know, I mean, you'd have to eat an awful lot of jam, <laughs> right, to notice the effects yeah. of it. But I don't like burning it all off because you're. You're. What, what's the point of putting it in there if you're just going to burn it off? I'd rather get the setting point up to uh, to where it is, let it rumble a little bit longer, and then uh, then add the vodka when it when it cools down a bit, mm-hmm. so you can you can taste like same thing I'm going to do when I add brandy to my raspberry jam. I wait till it cools down a bit to add the brandy. And that way you can taste the brandy in your jam. It's a, it's a much, it's a, I think it's a nicer way. That's this how I do it. It's not how everybody does it. Some people put it in to boil off, and I find I don't understand the the rationale of putting it in, in the first place if you're doing that. So Yeah, because you want the, the yeah, flavor. Yeah, if you're making boozy jams, you want to have the, the booze and the jam. Yeah. Yeah. So what, are you, what else do you have on your list for this week? I'm doing a few things that I have uh, haven't made in a while. Like we've just got some carrots, local carrots. So I'm doing my uh, Indian carrot pickle, and I also do a a Persian carrot jam, a carrot marmalade with cardamom. So I'm trying to get all the the things that I'm waiting for the local carrots to come out, and they are out. So I'm making that. I'm making uh, a cauliflower pickle with uh, with Thai chili and kaffir lime leaf. It's a really lovely. Indian spiced cauliflower pickle. Then I'm doing my the stuff I make every week, like the butter chicken, some curry sauces, the chutneys I make every mm-hmm. week. Yeah, there's so a few things I I have to make every week. <laughs> I can't I can't get away from it. Yeah, it's too popular now. <clears throat> yeah, and I, and and it's too much of a demand for a few things. Yeah. Yes. 
so it looks like we are running out of time, but um, if people want to find you, how are you online at all, or are you just Farmer's Market on just Saturdays? Just at the Farmer's Market. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but only under my name, not a, as a company or anything else. Uh, I... I ha- I am set up on Instagram, although I've never posted anything. I've I just set oh, it no. up a little while ago. I know. I think it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, but you'll find me uh, at the farmers market, and if you just go, I think if you go to the farmers market site too, they'll have vendor listings and. Yep, they do yeah. on their website now. Um, yep. They do have vendor listings with contact information and uh, information all about the vendors, which is awesome. I just discovered that, so you can go and see. Um, who's there? Yeah, and I think if you just Google condiments by Steve Curtis, like something may come up on on Twitter or Instagram, and uh, which I will, I promise, uh, post on eventually. I know you're in the new space. You got to get like a new. I shot. know, I know, <laughs> but you know, I'm 50 years old. <laughs> I need, I need to get, uh, I need to get some teenagers involved and uh, set the, the media, media presence. Social media interns. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for, right. for the condiments. All right, thank you so much for well, thank joining you for us. having me. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our Heritage Broadcast Assistant is Natalie Dignam in partnership with the Conservation Corps Newfoundland and Labrador ECHO Program. We would love to know what you think of the show. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future program, leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page, email livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.